0: Father figures, mentors, mentors, people who uh, invested in someone's life, and we're so grateful to each and every one of you. We hope that you were able to pick up uh, this little bookmark, a little encouragement for you on the way in. Uh, if you didn't get one, make sure you come and grab one. That will uh, be a great resource to use in your Bible just to keep in place, uh, maybe during this sermon series as we're going to be following through the Gospel of Matthew for the next couple of weeks. But we just want to say thank you. It's no secret that we really care a lot about children here at this church, and so uh, we care a lot about parents as a result of that, too. And so to all the moms, dads, father figures, mentors, uh, we just want to say thank you, and we can't wait uh, to partner with you as parents as you raise your children. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the parables found in Matthew's Gospel, and Matthew contains a lot of parables. And so we've been looking at a couple of parables in the past two weeks, and we're going to continue that today. But as we get started, I'm interested to know for those of you who have been here the past couple of weeks, who remembers? What are the parables that we've talked about the last couple of weeks? Do anybody remember what they're called? The general murmurs. <laughs> this is the parable of the good soil and the parable of the wheat and the weeds, or, or as John Mark talked about last week, the wheat and the tares. And we've been looking at these a couple of parables, and they have a lot to do with agriculture. And the parables for today uh, will again continue that theme. We'll be talking a little bit uh, about the parables of the mustard seed as well as the parable uh, of the wheat and uh, or the yeast. And so we're going to continue our parable study uh, that we're doing this summer, and we're looking forward to continuing. To read these. Uh, I'm excited to see what Jesus is going to be teaching us today through these parables. I think uh, these are both two very short parables, one or two verses apiece, but I think that these parables will really help us to understand, continue to understand what Jesus is trying to do by using these parables. Because these parables, uh, while they're catchy phrases, while they're helpful, little anecdotes, they also teach us something tremendous about what God is trying to teach us in the life of Christ. And so over the past few weeks we've talked about things like the fact that uh, Jesus, through these parables, is is here. It's here now. It's not something that we have to wait for. It's coming right now. And Jesus wants us to know that. And then last week, we also even uh, finish our parable with a little bit of a warning, uh, which when you read through Matthew's parables, a lot of his parables contain this warning. They we want to make sure that we remember that this is not just a simple matter of understanding a the parable. There's a lot at safety in these parables that we need to understand parables are teaching us about the kingdom of heaven and what the kingdom of heaven is here to do. And when we understand it, it has a lot of implications for how we are to understand who God is and what God is doing in the world around us. Okay, so if you've got a Bible today, we want to go ahead and encourage you to turn over to Matthew chapter 13. John Mark started this last week and I'm going to continue it this week. Uh, the, the scriptures will not be on the slide behind me today. Uh, and so we want you to take out a physical Bible or a phone copy, a digital copy on your phone, uh, and if you, have, if you need to, there's a Bible to keep in front of you, and you can pick that Bible up and turn to page 1518, and you'll find the parables that we're going to read uh, on that page today. Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Let's take a look at these and read them together. Jesus told another parable to me, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in his field. Now, it's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's the largest of Vegetable plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like an yeast, which a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat flour. And so the yeast had worked its way through all the dough. Jesus said all these things to the crowds of parables, and he spoke to them only in parables. This was to fulfill what the prophet spoke I will speak in parables. I'll declare what has been hidden since the beginning of the world. So, these short couple of verses contain two short little parables. But they also contain another reminder that we talked about two weeks ago that these parables are not intended for everyone to understand. This is really key for Matthew's Gospels because the, the way that he's using these parables is not so that we'll understand some, something flashy and catchy about what God is doing, but he's using these parables to tell us something really important, something even dangerous. Uh, we come to find out as the Gospel progresses that what Jesus is Things that he's teaching, that they're going to end up costing in his life. The people who are in charge, the religious leaders, uh, the, even the Romans, uh, they don't like what Jesus has to say. And so Jesus uses these parables as a way to teach the people, but in, in a way that he won't get into a lot of trouble right at first. But he wants them to understand that hey, this is serious, that what the kingdom of heaven is doing is really important. It's really going to be big. It's going to be something that will change the way that they live. And so he uses these two parables. Uh, and again, they're really short. Both of these parables seem to, to kind of have the same message. Now, not many of us uh, currently are living in a, a, a place where we're really working in agriculture a lot. Is anybody uh, out in the fields every day working in farming. So even, even though we, that's the case, we kind of think that we understand these parables, right? Uh, these parables, Jesus uses them, and we kind of think that we know what they're talking about. Both of these parables seem to be saying that no matter what we believe about who Jesus is, whether we recognize it or not, that through his ministry, through his life, the kingdom of heaven will start small. It will seem to have inconsequential beginnings, but as it grows and as it matures, it will have a far greater reach than what we could have possibly imagined in the beginning. Now, the mustard seed, let's start with the mustard seed and think about this mustard seed example for just a minute. When Jesus talks about the mustard seed, mustard seeds are really small. Has anybody ever planted any mustard seeds? No, me neither. Oh, but one. Okay, sure, Surely has. And Robert has, too. Uh, a couple of people have planted, they're really small seeds. And Jesus even says they're the smallest of all these seeds. But they were fast-growing plants. Uh, they grow up really fast, and by, by the time the harvest is ready, uh, you've got uh, sometimes uh, these plants that are as tall as I am. Uh, they're six feet tall, sometimes even bigger. They're fast-growing plants, and they, they start really small, and they spring up, and they grow to be really big. And of course, what Jesus is saying. Is that this uh, start to his ministry, the start to what he's doing with the kingdom of heaven? It's going to have this small beginning, but it's going to spring up and it's going to become this large plant. Now, what Jesus doesn't mean to say when he talks about this parable is that it's just going to happen automatically, it's going to be magical, uh, it's not going to take any work. Because as we talked about last week, we know that when someone plants something, it's easy. For us to be confused about what it is that we're seeing when it comes through the parable of uh, the wheat and the weeds what we learn from jesus there is that it takes a time it takes time for these plants to bear fruit so we need to understand when jesus talks about this fast growing plant he's not just saying it's going to be magical it's going to happen overnight it takes no work instead we have to wait and see what kind of plants will become will it bear fruit and of course we must see that it's going to bear fruit it's going to bear uh, fruit and it's going to be useful And so it's going to spring up, it's going to to take some time, but we'll see how this thing starts so small, but grows to be something that has a great and a far reach. Now, even though it's going to take time, maybe not a lot of time, even though it's going to take time, God, Jesus is trying to teach us that what God is doing is going to be very impactful. It's going to change the way things live, the way people live and the way things operate. He's trying to help us to understand what it means to be a follower that even though we start with something small, uh, maybe a daily choice, maybe something that we think might be inconsequential, that small choice can grow and become something large. And it can change the way that people live. It can change the way that we understand who God is. Now the tree, he shifts his language. Did you notice that in the parable? He he shifts his language from talking about mustard plant to mustard tree. Look again at the parable and and, and you'll see the shift there uh, as you look at that verse in in, in verse uh, 32. Uh, He says, it becomes a tree so that the birds in the sky come and nest in its branches. Originally, he's talking about the marshes and all the vegetable plants. But he changes his language and says, now it's going to become a tree. Now, this is really interesting that Jesus is is changing his language here because Jesus is tapping into what the prophets have talked about. Uh, If you think back to the prophets in the Old Testament, somebody like the prophet Daniel. Daniel lived during the time of the Babylonian captivity. The nation of Israel has been defeated. They've been carted off into exile. And, and Daniel is in the ploy of a king of Babylon. And, and while Daniel is, is living, uh, his task is to help show how to be faithful even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even in the midst of, of feeling defeated, like, like that God is no longer with them. David's task is to help the people understand how they can still be true to God, how they can still listen to God and obey God in a distant foreign land. And so Daniel's prophesying. And at one point, uh, the king has a vision. The king of of Babylon has a vision, and he doesn't understand it. And and so if you look in Daniel chapter 4, and I will have the the passage up on the screen for this one, it says uh, it's not in Matthew. Uh, But in Daniel chapter 4, we see a little bit of the vision that the king has. It says this in Daniel 4, verse 10. In my mind, as I lay in bed, I saw a vision. This is the king speaking. At the center of the earth was a towering tree. The tree grew in size and strength. It was as high as the sky. It could be seen from every corner of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful. Abundant. It had enough food for everyone. Wild animals took shade underneath it. Birds nested in its branches. All living things lived off of that tree. And so, a couple of verses later, when Daniel's called in to interpret this, this vision, this dream that the king has, this is what he says in verse 20 The tree that you saw, your majesty, that tree is you. So, Daniel uses this image of this towering tree that all the animals come to live under to say that the king. Will gather the nations and people together. He'll be the one who helps provide things for them, the fruit, the shade. The king will be the one to do this. And so when Jesus tells this parable, he's tapping into this prophetic image that Daniel and in other use to say that this mustard seed, this tiny little seed that, that grows, that springs up, well, eventually it will become a tree. Well, this is kind of unusual because usually what he would do is those mustard seeds that would sprout, they would grow quickly, they would grow to be six or seven feet tall, and then he would harvest them. But well, what Jesus says is that this mustard plant will continue to grow until it becomes a full-sized tree. A tree big enough that all the birds will come and nest, come and nest in its branches. What Jesus is saying here is he's expanding their vision of what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of heaven. It's not going to be just this quick-growing plant that's then harvested and, and, and uh, you take the fruit. No, it's going to continue to grow. It's going to grow so large that all the people of the world will come and nest. There will be shame and fruit enough for everyone. So, Jesus transitions to the parable of the yeast. This next part is really kind of interesting, too, when you think about it, because what Jesus does here is he talks about this bushel uh, of wheat that the, the, the woman is putting the yeast into. And in Scripture, is really interesting. Yeast is typically seen as a negative example. Yeast is typically seen as something that you want to avoid. It comes from the story of the Exodus, when the people are, are in in Egypt, and they're about to leave. Moses is about to leave the Israelites out of Egypt, and they're going uh, to be following God to the promised land. But right before they're to leave, they're baking bread. They're, they're planning this Passover meal, and, and when the people bake the bread, they don't have enough time for the yeast to be baked into the bread and let the bread rise. And so rather than bre- baking the bread with the yeast, and that's hard to say, baking the bread with yeast, rather than baking the bread with yeast, they bake it without it. In fact, the community that we just took a close when we make that bread right, without yeast to remember this kind of image from Scripture because the people didn't have enough time. And yet they still had plenty. God still provided for them. God still cared for them and protected them through the events of the Passover. And so usually in Scripture, whenever we find yeast, the, the authors of Scripture are saying, this is not a good thing. In fact, we're going to try to read another passage where we'll see that very thing in just a minute. But here, Jesus uses the yeast to remind us of something else that God does for us. Because when, when we read this passage, A bushel of wheat loaf, what does that mean? That's not a a typical measurement that we use. We're not talking about a single loaf of bread here. We're talking about enough bread for 100 or 150 people. That's a lot of bread. This woman is just an ordinary woman, but she's making so much bread in abundance and extravagance of bread, so there'll be plenty for all people. What Jesus is communicating in these miracles is not just that the kingdom of God is going to start small and grow big, but it's going to start small. And it's going to have a far-reaching impact into all the world. Jesus here is is helping the people to understand that what he's doing is not just for the people of Israel. It's not just for the Jewish people. It's for all the people of the world. It's an abundance of bread. The the tree is big enough for all the nations, all the people of the earth to come and nest in its branches to be taken care of and provided for. I really like the way that A.T. Wright says it. He says it this way. He said, Jesus wanted his followers to live with attention of believing that the kingdom was indeed arriving in and through his work, and that this kingdom would come, would fully arrive not all a day, but through a process like the slow growth of a plant or the steady leavening of a love. The point is that the kingdom of heaven is here now. But Jesus is inviting us into the story so that we can help bring about the results that Jesus is talking about this slow and steady growth, this far-reaching impact of the kingdom of heaven will have in the world. Jesus is inviting us into this parable and says, you've got work to do. You've got work to help bring this kingdom here. Which brings me to another, another couple of passages that I'd like for us to read and consider this morning. The first is in Matthew chapter 15, just a couple of pages. If you want to turn it over you can follow along Matthew chapter 15. Uh, and this chapter begins with the Pharisees coming to Jesus and asking Jesus, what is clean? what is clean what they want to know is what are the things that god allows what does god find acceptable uh, they're, they're tapping into this old testament idea of what's clean what is pure versus what is unclean or, or impure. and in the pharisees want to know from jesus what is that's clean and of course jesus wants to expand their vision of what's clean and unclean and so jesus says it's not things that come into a person that make him clean or unclean but instead it's the things that come out of a person what are the words that you're saying what are the actions that you're living in? Those are the kinds of things that define whether you are clean or unclean. If if you live well, if you treat others well, then you are treating them as if you are clean as if they are clean. But if you don't live well, then you are unwell, you are unclean. And so Jesus is trying to expand their vision. And immediately on the heels of that story, we find a pretty offensive story in verse 21. Jesus comes uh, to the regions of Tyre and Sidon, and there he's approached by a Canaanite woman. This is really interesting because this is the only time in the New Testament that we find the word Canaanite. Matthew uses this word intentionally. He wants us to remember and to think about the Old Testament story of Israel and Canaan. Of course, what happens there is that the Israelites are given the promised land because the Canaanites had failed to live the way that God desired them to live. They had not lived a clean or pure life. They had offended God and they worshiped other gods. And so God gives the promised land to the Israelites. And so Matthew uses this is the only place in the New Testament where the word Canaanite appears. He wants us to remember that story. And the Canaanite woman comes before Jesus and she asks if she can have the scraps from the table. And of course, Jesus plays the role of a typical Israelite, and, and Jesus at first refuses. But by the end of the story, the Canaanite woman has convinced Jesus that even she is worthy of the scraps from the table. What Jesus has taught in the parables, that the kingdom of heaven is coming through him, and that it has far reaching effects, that it will reach out past the boundaries of Israel. What Jesus taught in those parables, we see coming true in this story. Because it's not a Jewish woman, it's Canaanite. And Jesus agrees with her that she is, in fact, worthy to receive what is coming from God. In the very next chapter, in chapter 16, we find another interesting story, a story about yeast. But this one follows the typical example of, of Bible. Rather than the yeast being a positive example, why it wasn't a parable, it's a negative example. I want to read this passage together with us. If you follow along in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 5. When the disciples arrived on the other side of the lake, they had forgotten to bring bread. So Jesus said to them, watch out and be on your guard for the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The disciples discussed this among themselves, and they said, we didn't bring any bread. Jesus knew what they were discussing, and he said, you people of weak faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you don't have any bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves that fed the 5,000 and how many baskets of leftovers you gathered? And the seven loaves that fed the 4,000 and how many large baskets of leftovers you gathered? Don't you know that I wasn't talking about bread? But be on your guard for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then they understood that he wasn't telling them to be on their guard for yeast to be used in making bread. No, he was telling them to watch out for the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is a couple of pretty offensive stories when you think about it. The way that Jesus refers to this woman is the typical way that the Israelites would refer to a Canaanite woman as a dog. And in this chapter, he tells them to be on their guard for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, basically saying that, uh, as in the Exodus story, that the yeast, they don't have time for the yeast. They've got to move on and follow God directly, saying that they don't have time for the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They don't have time to listen to these people who are supposed to be leading them. What Jesus is saying is really offensive in these passages. And yet, he's changing the way we understand the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven isn't simply about following a list of rules. It's not simply about being white. It's not simply about your lineage or who you come from. The kingdom of heaven is about what God is doing in and through Jesus. And it has far reached effects. It will not only impact the people of Israel, it will impact the people of the world so all through these parables, Jesus is, is expanding the boundaries of the king. He's expanding their idea of who's in and who's out. And, and this is pretty offensive to us, even today. Because today we still want like boundaries. We still like to know where something starts and where something ends. Think about if we were to watch a race on television, and they were to just say, the race ends when the runners want it to end. Who would win? We would never watch that. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I used to mow yards uh, in my neighborhood. And every yard that I mowed, they would show me where their boundary line was. They would show me, this is where my yard ends and my neighbor's yard begins. None of them ever asked me to mow their neighbor's yard. They didn't want to pay for that. They said, this is where my yard ends. This is all I'm paying for. We care still about where boundaries are. And Jesus has shown you through these parables that not only is the kingdom of God going to start small and grow, but it's going to have far-reaching effects. It's going to matter not just for you, but for the people that you don't think it should matter. For the Canaanites, and for our purposes, the modern-day Canaanites. Jesus is reminding them that the kingdom of heaven does not operate according to anyone's agenda. It doesn't operate according to the Pharisees agenda or the Sadducees. It doesn't operate according to the kingdom of Israel. This is not the, the nation of Israel that we're concerned about here. This is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is trying to help them see that it is breaking into the world right now this very moment. That they have an opportunity to join in with what God is doing, to be a part of what God is doing. To be just like that mustard seed that starts small but grows to be a tree. To be just like the yeast that helps to make an abundance of bread for all the people of the world. Jesus wants them to see that the kingdom of heaven is for them. And it's even for the people that they don't think it should be for. So in our own time and in our own world, we ask the question, what do these parables have to say to us? Why do these parables matter today, Sunday, June the 16th, 2019? Well, I think we can certainly understand that the kingdom still continues to have far-reaching effects. Look around the room today. Look at the people that have been gathered together in this place. Think about the church next door, the churches down the street. Think about all the churches, all the Christians who are still meeting to this day, because the kingdom of heaven has changed, has changed their life, it has impacted them. it has far-reaching effects in their lives. Think about the person that you were 10 years ago. Think about the person you were 20 years ago. The kingdom of heaven is coming into our lives and changing our hearts and lives, helping us to become more and more like Christ each and every day. C.S. Lewis talks about the kingdom of heaven being like a far-off country. And I like that language. Far-off country. He says that the far-off country, and yet, even though that, that it seems far away, there's still something very familiar about it. There's something that we all kind of yearn for <clears throat> and understand. Because we encounter God daily. In small moments and in big moments. We encounter God daily through events like the growth of a mustard seed, or the yeast as it makes its way through all the dough, The kingdom of God is all around us. What Jesus declared then is true today as well. The kingdom of heaven is arriving. And yet we know that it's not fully here yet either. God has left room in the story for us to be involved, for us to help bring the kingdom of heaven today. Jesus reminds us that we can do this today. We can help to bring the kingdom a little bit closer. And so our task for this week is to help bring that kingdom through our words and our actions. In our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and our jobs. This is a kingdom that has abundance for all who come to the table. This is a kingdom that, yes, it starts small, but it grows and it continues to grow. May God's kingdom come in our lives. Each and every day this week May we remember that this is the God That we see in Christ That this is the God who is bringing the kingdom of heaven Through the body of Christ May we continue to live into that reality May we be in the hands and feet of Jesus This week Here in a moment we're going to continue to sing And as we do uh, We'd like to invite you to a time of prayer Our elders are going to gather around you They would love to spend a moment praying with you Maybe there's something happening this week that, that you're feeling anxious about They would love to pray with you about that or today, if you'd like to know what it is to follow Jesus fully uh, in your life, if you want to announce that in baptism, I would love to visit with you down front as well. As we do those things which you stand?